You're listening to The John DePietro Show. You know, it's interesting. Obviously, now I'm on X, known as Twitter, or Twitter, excuse me, now known as X. Obviously, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Um, if you go to, if you log on to DePietro.com, there's links to all our social media. But Attorney General Peter Narona, he tweeted out, and I, I want to, this is an, not everyone's going to get this, but... I see this is, uh, they call it a thread when there's various people. And Channel 12 reporter, uh, political reporter Ted Nisi put out the following, Rhode Island Republicans have a massive Providence problem. Amo topped 90% of the vote in Providence. Folks can say, oh, Providence has always been Democrat. But Governor Kachiri got 31% of the vote there in 2006. Very hard to win statewide if PVD is so lopsided. He's exactly right. I've been saying it for years now that the problem is Providence. Providence continues. Providence politics. Providence continues to dominate the state. One of the biggest difference between Rhode Island and New Hampshire, if you didn't have Providence, Rhode Island would resemble more like New Hampshire. So various people commented after that. But one of the people that commented was Attorney General Peter Narona who said the following, it's because the party, meaning the Rhode Island Republican Party, it's more about ideology than trying to win elections. It works in some part of the state when you represent 10,000 people, round numbers, but it's way out of step with most Rhode Islanders. They'll never win another statewide office until that changes. It's just a fact. I'll tell you, it's hard to argue with that statement that he made. Um, it's something that I have been saying you know, in 2020, the lead up to that, people have been saying, people listening right now, they think President Trump won Rhode Island. I, and I say, there's no way. You're, you're not, they don't go to Providence. They don't understand what's going on in Providence. Um, it's, 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 it's a major, major problem that I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I also, I'm, here are some of the other comments. Someone put on a more macro level the rich guy popping out of nowhere to run for federal statewide office needs to end going against the machine gop candidates need to start at the bottom get involved in the community show your school pta coach youth sports blah 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 form a base run for local office many of the r's in cranston do this and improve successful that is true by the way ted nisi said other republicans have told him the same thing over the years apart from anything about ideology they're good at starting candidates uh at the local level, community ties. So, you know, you saw it with Ash, Ashley Kalis. She she certainly wasn't prepared or qualified to run to be the nominee for governor. Why did they get excited and choose her and back her? Because she had she had money. So I I um I I think that this is but but here's the thing, folks. I also want to uh, go back on something, and that is. That and, and, and some of the other comments, the trend, Bristol, Newport counties used to elect Republicans. Barrington used to be a Republican town, no longer. East Greenwich used to be a Republican town, no longer. It's now really just the northwest corner of the state where uh, Republicans still seem to have that. Barrington used to be. So, but a, a, a big part of this is... Um, it's it's you you something must be done i'm not saying that it's all about the mail ballots but i'll i'll tell you it's it's certainly not hel helping the situation or making it any easier so in more and more people are just they're they're leaving the state they're saying forget it i'm not going to get involved it's not worth it i'm going to move to South Carolina. I'm going to move to North Carolina. I'm going to move to Florida. Um, th this is a major, major problem. Uh, Kaylee McEnany was on Fox News. Now, going again nationwide, uh, this is a major, major red flag with what happened. In elections, last, the last few elections. Listen to this. We must recognize that as a Here we go. But one thing I would note, you know, Kentucky is a red state. Ohio is a red state. 
Mississippi, we don't know what will happen this evening. We hope that Reeves pulls it off, but it is a red state. Tonight, the midterm elections, the last few elections, we must recognize that as a party, good polling does not always translate into resounding victory. It must be. She She's exactly right. I mean, this, you know, step outside of Rhode Island. The party has a problem right now. Last night should have been a big win. Look at how terrible Biden's doing. It should have been a big night for the Republican Party. And it certainly wasn't. Um, not even close. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He is our legal expert. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, I'd like to um, start off where you had some individuals that were uh, arrested, two students, I believe, from RISD, and they were charged with, they were uh, painting various things on the Textron building. And uh, it, it certainly could be interpreted possibly as anti-Semitic, what, what they were spray painting. I'm just curious... As much as someone in this atmosphere and climate feel they're just doing, you know, oh, we're just doing some minor vandalism. But what about if someone wanted to uh, the possibility of potentially a hate crime charge? It's it's always a possibility, John. Um, my understanding is that they I think they put a um, looking at the video that's available online, you can see them putting some sort of a poster or a banner, and then they spray paint um, words or a slogan. Um, depending on what those words are, you know, if it says free Palestine, I don't think that's a hate crime. If it says kill all the Jews, that would be a hate crime. Forgive the language, but that's I'm trying to give the example. Um, it's questionable whether that what they did would rise to the level of a hate crime. It's clearly vandalism. It's clearly criminal. Um, if the attorney general's department wants to make an example of this case, you know, they may try to up the charge to uh, include a hate crime, which could turn it into a felony. Um, do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, hate crimes get into ver some very tricky areas when you're setting up legislation which makes certain words a hate crime when you put that up against our First Amendment rights to free speech. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm troubled always by um, the notion of these hate crime statutes because let us assume somebody wanted to use despicable language and i'll just use the example let's kill all the jews which was the reprehensible horrible thing for anyone to say now would that constitute a hate crime it potentially certainly could but under our first amendment privileges and our rights i shouldn't say it's a privilege it's a right um we have the right to free speech. There are limitations on that free speech. Um, we always talk about you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, you, you can't incite insurrection against the government. There are certain aspects of speech which have consequences. You can't slander somebody. If you do so, there you have the right to say the slanderous statements, but you could be exposed to be sued for damages. Um, free speech is tough. I mean, free speech says 
that you've got to tolerate language that infuriates you. You've got to listen potentially to language which you would go to the wall objecting to and fighting back against. But free speech, if you really want free speech, requires that sort of tolerance of speech and conduct that you are adamantly opposed to. We've talked many times, this goes back years, but most of your listeners will remember, remember when the Nazis wanted to march in Skokie, right. Illinois, which yep. was a town, this goes back probably 30 years. It was a town uh, populated by many J Jewish people, many Holocaust survivors, and a KKK organization, I think it was a, the KKK or maybe it was the Nazis, decided they wanted to have a parade, and they asked for a permit to have their parade which infuriated and offended many, many of the residents. Yeah. The ACLU comes in and says they have the right to this um, demonstration. It's free speech. It's free expression. Now, if it turns into violence, if they start attacking people, obviously that becomes criminal. But that's what free speech is. Free speech is abiding somebody saying things that you find reprehensible. So in this case, uh, I don't think it'll turn into a hate crime in terms of um, criminal charges. I mean, we also have what's developing at Brandeis University. The university has, um, uh, I don't think they've expelled the students, but they've, they've stopped this pro-Palestinian organization yeah. from being able to espouse their beliefs on campus. I mean, a university is supposed to be a place where, you know, ideas are freely expressed and exchanged. You don't have to like those ideas, but, you know, that's that's the notion of a university. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. Now, Brandeis is traditionally a um, school of higher learning populated by many Jewish students. That's that's its pedigree. But they also have people who have pro-Palestinian points of view and organizations. So if somebody wants to say free Palestine and that's their manifesto, that's the, that's the challenge of free speech. It's being able to listen to that and not shut down that free speech. Because when you start saying, well, that's hate speech and that's unacceptable, um, we are in danger of trampling over our very uh, precious First Amendment rights. I'm not agreeing with what these people are saying. I'm not agreeing with this language from the river to the sea. Not at all. Not one bit. But it's dangerous, in my view, to start saying, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say that. I mean, the left has been doing that for years on college campuses when they shout down um, conservative speakers who are invited to come in um, shouting down and not permitting that exchange of ideas because they just don't want to hear it. When, when a college or a university becomes a place where people can simply say, I don't like what you're saying. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to shut you down. Um, that's like the antithesis of what the university experience is supposed to be. So long as you're not inciting, um, violence, inciting criminal conduct, inciting people to go out and kill other people, injure other people. Um, there are limitations, as we have often discussed, but this whole episode we're dealing with right now, which includes this, you know, Israel-Hamas war, which includes the startling and despicable um, overt anti-Semitism, which is being expressed around the country and around the world uh, in manners and ways that I don't think any of us thought we would ever see in our lifetime. Um, again, that leads to the First Amendment challenge. It's, it's a very, very tricky wicket for all of us to deal with. Um, and it's not over. This, this is 
this episode in American life and in American history has not yet played itself out. Um, I think we have to stay tuned as to where this goes. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on The John DePietro Show. AdMed Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week. AdMed Urgent Care, when you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to AtMed Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. AtMed Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, the soap opera continues at uh, Skyline where uh, Dr. Mike Mata, he's had some problems with the city. It looked like the city was going to evict him, but then, not so fast, um, it would seem that because Mata, they made an appeal that vacates any eviction. This is the city now trying to get this uh, restaurant, whatever, the nightclub owner, out of this Skyline property that is essentially uh, owned by the city. Where do things stand with Skyline? Well, the Skyline case was um, scheduled to be a trial in the district court. There was a motion, I believe, um, by the city to um, dismiss the claims of Skyline, largely because of um, some discovery um, issues. And discovery is... Before a trial, both sides can ask the other side interrogatories. Both sides can ask the other to produce certain documents. There's many um, um, things that are available to each side to inquire of the other to produce records, info, phone calls, emails, texts, all kinds of things are discoverable. Apparently, in this case, there were certain failures by counsel for Skyline um, to produce the requested material that the city had asked for in a timely manner. There are time frames um, under the rules of civil procedure for one side to respond to the request the other side has made. And if you run out of time and you don't ask for more time or the court doesn't see fit to give you more time, you can wind up having your case uh, defaulted or dismissed for failure to comply with the rules of discovery. And it seems like in this case, the judge knocked out Skyline's case, not on the facts, not on the law, but on the failure of um, Skyline and or its attorney to comply with discovery requests. That's a harsh sanction, uh, but it does happen from time to time. A lawyer said, you know, he's been overwhelmed. I, I, I would guess that Skyline might be a difficult client for any lawyer to deal with, but that's only a guess. So now Skyline, through its counsel, takes an appeal to the Superior Court, where it will be what's called a trial de novo, meaning a brand new trial. Now, the issue will become, yet again, if the Superior Court says that Skyline's case has to be dumped because of those same discovery violations, well, then Skyline is buying time, maybe a month or so, but it's not going to get a long stay of execution, if you will. If the Superior Court knocks out Skyline's case on those same discovery failures, 
uh, Skylink had been to try to drag the thing out, um, take an appeal to the Renowned Supreme Court and ask for a stay of whatever order might develop from the Superior Court. But it looks like, although Skyline can play for some short time, if the discovery failures are as the court suggested in the district court, Skyline's going to lose again in Superior Court. Folks, let's speak with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, um, in Winsocket, the mayor was close to a land deal. Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt with this land developer, special land deal. Now, apparently, because the tension was put on it, investigate Channel 12 did some good reporting on it. Uh, now, apparently, the city and the mayor are backing away from the deal. But the city council, they're still launching a probe saying it left them in the dark, embarrassed the city, and then their quote, if someone robs a bank and returns the money later, guess what? They still rob the bank. Um, any, what, what's your thought on any type of legal potential consequences for the mayor on this? Well, I'm not sure what the consequences are without really studying the Winsocket City Charter. But my understanding is this, this was supposedly a purchase of real estate for, for the intended purpose, I think, of putting up low-income housing or something along those lines. An appraisal of the property showed it to have a value of about $200,000. The mayor um, entered into a contract, into a purchase and sales agreement for the city to buy the land for, I think, a million one, which raises red flags right there. Why are we paying so much for a piece of property, which it's appraised for a much lower value. So the council inquires of the mayor, Mayor, why did you do this? You're supposed to pass this by us. Why did you keep us in the dark? Do you have some relationship with the seller of the property? The mayor says, not to my knowledge, but a further investigation shows that I think the mayor has had personal dealings with the seller of the real estate um, in a number of different transactions. So... This appears to be favoritism. You know, the mayor seems to have been um, not forthcoming in the best of lights, not forthcoming with the council, and likely violated rules and procedures within the city of Woonsocket and not bringing the council in and unilaterally entering into this deal with this landowner. Um, I don't know that any criminal... Um, results would come from this. I think it's more of a political stain on the mayor. I mean, she was recalled within the last couple of years, then she turned around and won re-election a couple of months later. But clearly there's a significant element within the city of Socket that doesn't like the way she's running the show. And this, this really looks and smells bad for um, the mayor and her administration that they would do this. You know, you get the same sort of thing. That's not quite an analogy, but look at what's going on in Providence where the prior administration got into this um, inexplicable tax treaty deal yeah. with uh, elements of the Chase family without, again, without going to the city council to get approval, which is what, you know, the city charter requires so you know when you got these backdoor deals and they're done in in the dark without the city council learning about it it's going to raise questions and typically where those questions are raised there's very unpleasant answers that come from it and i think that's what's happening right now in socket maybe not criminal but i i would assume there'll be some political blowback from this tim dodd there was um we remember the incident it was just a couple of years ago where this Barrington dentist was uh, yes. hurling racial slurs at his neighbor. Now, the Providence Journal is reporting he's on trial again. What are we to make of this story? Well, my recollection is that the, the, the dentist who um, was found guilty of the assault, and I believe it was determined to be a hate crime, he took the appeal to the Superior Court. He is entitled to a trial de novo. I am not sure if he is elected to put this case in front of a jury or whether he's having the case tried um, a by a judge sitting without a jury. 
but it's going to be the same elements of the assault, which seems pretty straightforward. But the trickier aspect is, did this guy also commit a hate crime by utilizing allegedly uh, certain racial slurs and ethnic slurs against the neighbor, which circles back to the whole free speech argument. I mean, the language that this guy allegedly used is reprehensible. It's, it's vile. It's, it's something that should not be spoken of in a civilized society. But, but, but having allegedly said those words, does he have the right under the First Amendment to say those words? Right. And should legislation saying, well, those particular words constitute a hate crime? It's a, and it's always going to be a subjective interpretation of what he meant when he used these particular words, um, why certain words can be stated and certain words become hate speech. Um, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want to be the judge having to decide this case because I think there are legitimate constitutional issues that arise when a governmental entity says these words are hate speech and we're going to punish you. We're going to enhance the punishments against you because you use particular words. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving, high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call today for a free estimate serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. 401-732-1730, letter J, J. Perry Paving. Why not get your driveway paved? Maybe your parking lot. J. Perry Paving, licensed and insured, contracted company, committed to meeting their clients' needs, no matter how big, how small, Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project, just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. What a difference it'll make for your home, for your business. With J. Perry Paving, call them today. Free quote, 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730. Look for them on Facebook. They're also online. And remember, no one is better with veterans than J. Perry Paving. If you're a veteran or related to one, they have a special package designed for you. It'll be the most cost-efficient way to get your driveway paved or your business. J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, let's go to, uh, it's been kind of a circus in New York City. At one point, the judge has instructed the attorneys for President Trump, I believe the quote was, control your client. Um, a lot of outbursts in court. Uh, President Trump on the stand. Um, you know, the, the Trump sons. I, I'd like to hear just your reaction and in, in also just thoughts on the behavior and what's going on in New York City with this uh, Trump trial. It, it is a circus. It's 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 a, it's... A, it's an embarrassment, I think, for President Trump. I think it's an embarrassment for the prosecution. I think it's an embarrassment for the judge. I think everyone involved has should have a bit of embarrassment. Um, should President Trump be behaving the way he's behaving on the stand? No. I mean, I don't care what you think of the prosecution's case. Um, a certain decorum which should be um, followed in my view in a courtroom and you know donald trump is a smart man he's certainly playing to his political donors who i would presume love what he's doing in court challenging the judge calling out letitia james as she sits in the courtroom and um adding to the circus-like environment of this case the judge, on the other hand, I think is um, not showing himself potentially in the best light. Um, you know, he seems to be more than willing 
to show his animus and probable bias against um, Trump and the Trump organization, having already determined that there was fraud. This whole exercise is just an exercise to determine the amount of monetary damages that the judge is going to assess since he has already granted the state's motion for summary judgment on the issue of fraud. So a lot of what Trump and his kids are up there saying is we didn't commit fraud. Judge says, I don't want to hear it. Read my decision. I've already determined that you guys did commit fraud. This trial is on the measure of damages. So on certain questions, you know, Trump being a politician and a business person tries to, in addition to answering questions, perhaps over answer to try to make his talking points part of the record. The judge basically says, I don't want to hear from you, which is, which is never really, a, I don't think, a great thing for a judge to be saying out loud. Um, this is a jury-waived case, so typically judges allow more things to be said and more evidence to come in because the judge weighs facts and evidence in a professional manner, which is not necessary. Juries are inexperienced with listening to evidence and the rules of procedure, etc., um, Trump's attorneys say we want to make certain motions. The judge says you better not do that. Well, I, I'm not sure the judge should be intimidating lawyers to not cover the record. If Trump's lawyers want to file motions, it's because they're either looking for the relief that they're requesting or at the very least creating issues for appeal. And, you know, if the, if the lawyer says, Judge, I'm moving for a mistrial, and the judge denies the mistrial, a reviewing court would look to see if this judge let in evidence, kept out evidence, or made other rulings which would constitute a mistrial. So when the lawyer says, I want to file a motion to uh, for a mistrial, and the judge says, you better not, um, I, I, I don't think that's an appropriate way for a judge to be behaving in this case. I mean, it's clear that the judge has an animus against Trump. Um, he's clearly going to whack the Trump organization for millions and millions of dollars. He's probably going to follow through with his threat to place Trump's businesses sort of like into a, um, a conservatorship, not a receivership. Uh, it's clearly going to be appealed I would expect that the judge's decision will be entirely overturned on appeal. But by the time it's overturned on appeal, the damage will be done for uh, Donald Trump politically, as this will be a negative decision which will follow him through, I guess, the election cycle. It's also troubling when you listen to the news and certain media outlets. Um, they talk about this case almost in a criminal ma manner, but it's not a criminal case. It's a civil case. It's right. just a case for civil fraud and civil money damages. And, you know, the, you get, I hear people on the news saying, you know, the president's already been convicted on this, and it's just a question of damages. He hasn't been convicted of anything. It's not a criminal case. And the fact that the lines get blurred here, whether it's intentionally or through just a misunderstanding of the legal proceedings um, is troubling because, you know, these news organizations are supposed to be informing the public, not misrepresenting what's actually going on in the courtroom. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, finally, there's a, um, there's a podcast host, excuse me, there's a podcast host on YouTube named Stephen Crowder. And somehow... Uh, they managed to get a hold of some of the documents that were involved in uh, that covenant mass shooting that took place. So they're trying to argue that there's somehow, you know, now they're socializing on um, social media. I believe it was some of the notes taken by the shooter. The host is trying to argue that there's some kind of, you know, uh, media importance to this. But Apparently, you know, this these this is the FBI. There is going to be an investigation. What, what do you make of this and potentially, you know, where, again, you do have a member of the media saying the 
the public, it's almost like they need to know there's a value in people knowing uh, what was in these notes. Well, I, I think that there probably is some value. And I think to the extent there's been a gag order on any of this material being released, um, you know, cynics and conspiracy theorists would say that there's a political motivation behind this because this particular um, mass shooter, mass killer, um, had a manifesto. Um, you know, typically the media would like to say these mass shootings are by, you know, conservative gun nuts, and that's t not necessarily the case. And when you get somebody who has a manifesto, which might sound like a person who is more um, leftist, perhaps, and I'm not sure about this individual, the media doesn't like to bring that so much into the reporting. Sure. Now, in this case, if this material which has been released is truly legitimate and real and not some phonied up thing, the podcaster who's put it out there, he's received information and he's rebroadcasting it. So unless he is the person that acquired this thing and ran with it, then he might have a problem. But if somebody, some anonymous person or some person known to him says, hey, I've got this information, I'm giving it to you. That's the essence of, um, again, freedom of the press. It's like in the Pentagon Papers. Yep. The, um, the New York Times got surreptitiously or anonymously material regarding um, what was going on in Vietnam. Now, did the New York Times do anything wrong in reprinting what was in the Pentagon Papers? No. They had a you know freedom of the press right to put that material out there. This, this is happening more and more in this age of electronic media and social media. Now, the person who gave it to the podcaster might have a problem down the line sure. if that individual's um, identity can ever be discovered. And if they ever ask this podcaster who gave it to you, I think he's got a, um, a constitutional right to say, I'm not telling you. Right. So it, it's, does the public have a right to know? I'm sure the family of the victims would say, look, we don't want any more heartache. We were afraid that this manifesto might encourage others to, commit similar horrific acts but i think that knowing what's in the mind of an individual is important we've learned about that with um the unabomber and we've learned things about other uh, mass shoot killers um through what they've had on their social media sites etc sure i don't know why this case should be different i think whatever is available should be um, known by or available to the public just again, folks, this was the 28-year-old Audrey Hale killed six people, including three students. Transgender man went by the name Aiden, who then broke into the Covenant School in March. And then uh, that's when the shooting took place. Tim Dodd, finally, just to circle back on the Brandeis situation, what I think is also an interesting, and it's a different dynamic, uh, it is under free, free speech, but both um, one of the things that the Brandeis students seemingly, uh, what was the focus of attention, got in trouble for, was their social media posts. And the same thing with uh, Miguel Sanchez, who was, as we know, terminated by Governor McKee. I just think it's interesting when we think of free speech, they may think it's not like they're standing somewhere saying something, but their social media post basically is echoing their thoughts, and that's what they're you know, running into problems on. Yeah, and, uh, and that's where it becomes a very tricky situation. Miguel yeah. Sanchez had the right to say anything he wants, but that speech did have consequences, yep. which led to his termination from an employment situation. An employment situation is, I think, a little bit different than the academic environment, right. which should include the free expression of ideas and opinions. Um, it's, it's, it's troubling that... Um, any group can be shut down just for their words, even if the words are dreadful and um, ill-advised. It's it's just a troubling development. And where does it end? What happens when um, people consider 
I don't know, uh, people who are for the Second Amendment and sure. they start, can, can they be shut down? Can yep. people who are uh, pro-life be shut down? Can people who are, you know, pro-choice be shut down? Um, where does it end with the government deciding which speech is acceptable or even universities deciding what speech is acceptable or, or not? Um, if it's just speech without threats behind it. Um, again, I, I think we haven't seen the last of this um, in this current environment with this rampant, uh, dreadful, horrific anti-Semitism. Sure. And where it's going to end, it's it's going to be a problem for lots of people. So just finally, though, that Representative Rashid Talib, she she was censured by the House, so she she does enjoy freedom of speech. But Congress does have a right to censure their members for some of the this, as you say, there are consequences to speech. Well, yeah, and I, I think there were a few Republicans who, um, although they probably hated what she was saying. They even voted against the censure because of the precedent that it's going to set. And the precedent is a concern to, to me anyways. I think what she said is just awful. And um, it's something that's extremely unpleasant to hear. Uh, now, these politicians can censure anyone they want for any reason they want. Sure. Um, if they tried to throw her out of Congress for that speech, I think that would be a much different uh, discussion. Um, um, although I think what she said was horrific. If I was there, I don't know if I would have voted to censure her because, again, limiting free speech in this country, we seem to be throwing away our rights willy-nilly and throwing away a lot of our First Amendment rights seems to be leading the pack. And I think we have to think long and hard before we limit our First Amendment rights. Yeah. 22 Democrats did vote for the censure. She was also repeating the lie that the Israelis had bombed the hospital. Folks, again, he is our uh, legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Yankee Tree Service. Call them today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts from Lincoln. You can always find them online, yankeetreeservice.com. Tree removal since 2006, 24-7 emergency service available. It's Yankee Tree. Folks, I've dealt with them for years. Tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning. Also, emergency service and bucket truck service. You can depend on Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. Get a free quote, 401-439-6028. And remember, with Yankee Tree Service, they have the licensed arbitus. They'll come out and they'll explain which tree maybe you want to get removed, maybe what tree you don't want to get removed. Tree pruning, also one of the best things you can do for your property and for your trees. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today, the tree trimming experts based out of Lincoln. Call them at 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Check out topetro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at topetro.com. You're listening to the John DePetro Show. So that Rashid Talib was censured by the House. Why isn't that councilman in Providence being censored? He basically was repeating and saying the same things that she was saying, except she was saying some of the lies. Listen to some of this audio. Worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadiat did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but P Palestinian people are not disposable. So dramatic. Either are the people of Israel. Either are the Jewish people. We are human beings. Oh. Just like anyone else. Oh. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber.
The cries of the Palestinian and Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why? What? I don't understand. Is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. Uh, because you were calling for genocide. You were calling for the elimination of Israel. Listen to that, Representative Omar. But we'll continue to say it is... Here we go. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Rashida will stand strong. General lady's time has expired. movement will continue for liberation until every single Palestinian has the right to Gentlemen from Maryland is recognized. You know, they're big on the liberation word. They love throwing around about liberation. Then you have Cori Bush, who's totally, totally unhinged. Who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, it's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol disappeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeatedly speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia, and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 
on election day is there's no one saying that you can't vote because when they went there that the lines are too long and the polls closed that's not a matter of that if you want to have early voting do early voting the day before i would even be comfortable maybe with the weekend before but this situation how long the mail ballots can be put in but more importantly the chain of custody regarding these mail ballots because right now no one knows never mind they're not even notarized i believe unless something is done now this continuing investigation into then the congressional campaign of lieutenant governor sabina matos if there aren't changes made that that's where you had signatures that were notarized the list of signatures and that was fraudulent i want to remind people the mail ballots they, they they're not even notarized there's too much of an opportunity for abuse if they don't reel it in people are not going to have confidence in our elections i don't see how people can frankly have confidence in our elections so in the new year i mean they're going to tinker around with different things and they're going to tinker around with some kind of you know there should be more corporate tax cuts and blah 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 and somebody will still step forward and say oh we still need to make it stronger on abortion and these types of issues and shoreline access but what does any of that matter if we don't have the integrity of our elections and i'm telling you right now that we don't have them in connecticut the fact they had to throw out that election is a very good example of what can happen and the only reason they number one they found it that was democrat versus democrat but at least they were looking for it in rhode island there's too many ways that they can hide it so what we're talking about this isn't trying to disenfranchise people this isn't quote trying to make it harder for people to vote i don't think you're asking too much that you're going to get the campaigns out of this ballot collecting this is crazy they're changing the nature of the game that that basically day of voting you're going to continue to see people lose day of, even though they win day of voting election day all this mail ballots and i'll tell you where the republican party of the state went wrong and i said it at the time but was they felt okay we can outgame the democrats i remember the chairwoman saying that we're gonna ballot harvest and we're gonna do guess what you failed you can't do it the way they they do it you're you're entering into a game that you have no way to win that's not the solution the solution is to limit the number of ballots for starters first of all they should be notarized but at the very least that one person can't handle more than 10 ballots you want to collect mail ballots or relatives everyone in your home what have you fine but massachusetts and connecticut functioning democracies and they limit it to 10. remember rhode island it's unlimited which means unlimited abuse you're listening to the john defeatrum show you're listening to the john DePietro show folks i always tout our website just because it has exclusive stories and video it has links to on the scene live stream remember there's no vo- uh, vowel i it's d-e-p-e-t-r-o.com dpetro.com you can also reach me that way if you'd like to get in touch with me dpetro.com log on and then links to facebook and youtube everything we have it's all waiting for you right there at the website <laughs>